Good morning, church family. We're so glad that you're joining us today. Happy Father's Day to all the dads out there. We're so glad that you're here. I wish I was with you this morning, but I'm at a wedding in Portland this weekend, and so uh, I'll be back next weekend, but I'll be joining you online today. If you're new and joining us for the first time at Afraid of Forest Sport Church, we want you to know that it's our desire for every person who walks into these doors to feel welcome, to feel at home, to know God, and to experience the love of Jesus. So I hope that you had an opportunity to grab a cup of coffee, that you met a few people, and that you, uh, you find home at this church. We're so glad that you're joining us. Before we get started with the message, uh, I have a few things, a few announcements. Our youth group is going to be raising money for Collide Camp that's happening this summer. And so right after the message, uh, they're going to be meeting in the cafe, having a bake sale. And so you can go back there and bruise all the baked goods and support our youth that are going to be going to camp. I believe that camp is a life-changing experience. It's where I encountered the Holy Spirit for the first time. It's where I was called to ministry. And I just know that the Lord moves on these mountaintop experiences like camp. So, so ask the Lord how much you should give and, and support a student uh, and help them get to camp. We believe in generosity. And so thank you so much for your generosity of this church. And we, we also believe that generosity is a form of worship and that we don't just worship with our hands and with our mouths, uh, but we worship in service and in giving as well. And so thank you for giving to the mission and the vision of this church. You can give online at afraidofforsquare.church and set up a payment on Pushpay, or as you make your way out, you can give in the box in the back as well. Thank you again for your generosity and, and your giving. I'm so impressed by this community, and uh, it's because of you that we can forward the kingdom of God here at this church and in this community. Well, I asked a very dear friend of mine to come give the message today. Most of you probably know him a lot better than I do, and you've known him a lot longer, but through my six months being here at the church, I've just really witnessed the Lord moving through his life, and I see his heart and the love that he has for Jesus, and so uh, I asked my friend Kurt Baker to come and give a message, and I believe that God has placed a word on his heart that is for today. It's for you, so would you give a warm welcome to our friend Kurt Baker as he comes up to speak. Thank you. Thank you. Am I on? Well, I want to welcome everybody that's here today. And is there any way to turn these lights down? My <laughs> word. There's not? I may have to come on the floor or something. There. The camera still see me? Can't wander near as much now, can I? Okay, good. Anyway, uh, hey, I guess I'm a little taller. I can set them on the steps, see? Um, one of the things, uh, Blake mentioned the bake sale, and I don't wanted to. Uh, sure, that might help. He, seriously. Yeah, um, he was offering me sunglasses. Um, the bake sale, it starts immediately after the service is over, and it's a, it's a bid, an auction type thing. It's a silent auction, so, and it's supposed to close 25 minutes after the service is over, so. You know, if you're serious about getting some, and we do want to support the youth, why, um, please uh, um, get in there fairly quickly. Um, today's a, a quite sad day. Um, most of you know what happened this week. If you don't, you can ask someone. I wish you would not ask the family today, but just out of respect for them. But um, the Harville and the, the Barclay families uh, 
had a disaster this week, and, and uh, we just want to pray for them right now. And if some of you that are close by, if you just step over and put a hand on them, if you would, please. And, and Father God, you know the pain, you know the hurt, you know the despair that is in this family and in our family because this is part of our family. Father, you understand that. We don't even begin to. But Father, we know one thing's for sure. That you are always here, always. And you never leave us or forsake us. And we ask right now that in, in your only way that you can do it is minister to these hearts and lives. And for those that are home and aren't here, Father, we just pray especially that your presence will be with them right this minute and throughout this day. And Father, I ask that you remind them whether they have a relationship with you or not. Just put it in their mind that they can call on you at any minute and be um, comforted and loved and helped through this trying time. We know that just because we're praying now, the hurt's not going to all go away immediately. But Lord, we ask you for a healthy grieving process, which is very necessary, and that you allow each one in their own way to allow you to minister to them and walk through this deep, deep valley. We give you praise and glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Many of you have seen the, uh, the poster that shows um, Jesus walking through the sand and leaving footprints. And there's, for a while, there's two prints, two sets of footprints, and then a little later, there's only one. And, and the man asks, and it showed up that those, the single prints, the single set of prints were there when the, guy, the man was going through a severe time of, of trouble. And he said, Lord, why did you leave me when I was in severe trouble? He says, I didn't. I was carrying you. And that's what we're going to talk about today is Father's heart. Our Father, God the Father's heart. And what he, how much he loves us, how much he cares for us. And... Uh, it's, it, you're going to be impressed, I think, with what God has, has brought out of his scripture today because it's, it's so important. And I think most of us don't really grasp completely how much Father God loves us and cares for us. And we're going to see some of those things right from scripture today, how, uh, how important that is. The two most prevalent things that deter us from enjoying a life fully awaking from Father's love. Most of us are, are if we're really honest, we would like to have a deeper, more intimate relationship with the Father. As you recall, the, the story of the prodigal son in Luke 15, and the scripture doesn't completely say this, but it kind of alludes to it. And he says how the father was longing for his son to, son to come back, and his son had, had, had heard him. He had, had rejected him and gone off, but the father, I still think that he was every day looking down the road, wanting and longing for his son to return. And that's exactly what father's heart is for each of us. If we're away from him, or if we're close to him, he wants us either to come back or come closer. That's exactly what's in his heart. And he longs for us to acknowledge him, come to him, talk to him, just hang out with him. You know, one of the things that uh, it took me the longest time to learn was that Jesus wants to be my buddy. And he does. We, we think of oftentimes, in, especially in religious circles, we see that uh, God is kind of put in this high place, almost untouchable. And that's so far from what his, what his heart is. His heart is to have a, 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 just a day-to-day, minute-by-minute relationship with him that is just full of love and compassion. And uh, regardless of whether we are mad at God 
or have, have really sinned, he still longs for us to come back. He longs that we be home with him and restored to the family. So how much does a father love us? Let's go to Psalm 139. You don't have to look it up if you don't want to. It's going to be on the screen up here. Psalm 139, 1 through 4. O Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know my sitting down and my rising up. You understand my thoughts afar off. You comprehend my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. For there is not a word on my tongue, but behold, O Lord, you know it all together. He says, my sitting down and my rising up. You're acquainted with all my ways. Does that give you an idea that he knows a little bit about us? He does, doesn't he? The thing that kind of scares me, though, is not a word of my tongue you don't know. I know there's some words come out of my mouth in my life that I'm not proud of and I'm not happy over. And it still happens occasionally. But the Bible talks about taking control of the, th- of the tongue because it's a fire that can destroy, and uh, it's a very important thing. And then let's skip on down to in, in uh, Psalm 139, 13 through 18. For you formed my inward parts. You covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works, and that my soul knows very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret, and skillfully wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. And that word wrought means made or done in a careful or decorative way. So he had such a, such a idea about us that was so perfect and so beautiful, you know, and it's, it's wonderful. And then verse 16, your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed. And in your book they are all written, the days fashioned for me, when as yet there were none of them. How precious are your thoughts to me, O God. How great is the sum of them. If I should count them, they would be more in number than the sand. When I am awake, when I awake, I am still with you. It's a little bit hard to comprehend a God that knows us that much isn't it? He is, uh, we're finite, and he's infinite, and so he knows all things, and you stop and think about all the thoughts he has toward us, um, and he knows our ways, our words, everything, and, and then multiply that about, about, uh, by the billions of people that are in the world, and he knows that about every one of them. It's just, it, it, you just can't put your mind around it, because I used to tell people that I could, uh, I could talk about one thing, think about another, and do something else. Now as I get older, I can do a half a thing, and I still screw it up at one th- as I'm doing it, you know. So, but God's not that way. He is so complete and so incredible that he knows every thought, knows every hurt, every pain, everything that we go through, every joy, every mountaintop. He's right there with us. And we just need to embrace that and realize that he's there all the time. One of the cool things about those, that scripture there was that the Father had plans for us before we were even conceived. Now stop and think about that for a minute. Before we were conceived, he had plans for us. And he knew the number of our days. He knows the plan. He had the plans for our life. And it's just, it blows your mind. Now in verse 18, it says that his thoughts towards you are more in number than the sand. And it didn't really say that all the sand in the world, but I assume that's what it meant. And I did a little bit of research on that. And there are approximately 5 billion billion or 5 sextillion grains of sand in the world. 
Now, compare that to God's thoughts toward us. I mean, it just blows your mind, doesn't it? It's just beyond comprehension. So the point of that is that he is so far beyond what we are and where we're at. We just need to grasp how great he is and grab a hold of the fact that he wants to be in our lives, each and every one of us. He wants to be so involved with us that we don't go through a day, an hour, hopefully a minute without thinking of him and being involved with what he wants in our lives. And some of those, those thoughts were not just thoughts either. They're precious thoughts, very precious thoughts. You think about that. I, I was just visiting some friends, some new neighbors we have that live down south of us a ways here this, early this week. I, they were wanting a kitty, and we had a litter of kittens, so I took them a kitten. And they have six girls. And uh, the youngest one is two, I think, or three. Her name is uh, Stella. And you know how precious and pure a child is. And she'd never met me before. I'd met her parents, but I've never met her before. And I, I hadn't been there, I'll bet, 15 minutes. And we were talking about the kitty, and they were getting the kitty out. And she came over and gave me a big old hug. I thought, oh, man. And that was precious. And then I was there for probably an hour and a half talking and looking over their place. I'd never visited their place before. And I was leaving, and I'd said my goodbyes, and I was walking to my pickup, and I heard this little voice, wait, wait. And here comes Stella. She run over, and she gave me another big hick, and she gave me a hug, and she gave me a little peck on the cheek. Uh, you know, and that's precious. You know, you just revel in those kind of experiences. And um, that's the kind of thoughts that Father God has toward us. Those very, very precious, precious thoughts. Enduring, uh, just love to the greatest degree that you can uh, ever imagine. Um, some of you know that uh, many of you were involved in our, our uh, several weeks ago, our uh, small group sessions that we had a lot of you in various different sessions and we did it one on prayer and um, one of the uh, the teacher was Pete Grigg, Greg and um, he had an acronym he worked up out of prayer and it was P was for pause um, R was for rejoice A was for ask and Y was for yield and uh, there was one thing about that acronym that really struck me and the first one it was about the first one was pause in my prayer life I for years and years the first thing I've done is, is rejoice and praise. I've just gone right into praise when I start praying. And then after a period of time, go into requests or whatever is on my heart, you know. And the Lord just really spoke to me about it. He said, I want you to pause and, and just, just let me be me for a little while. And so I'm, I'm telling you some of the things that he's done for me in those times. And I don't want you to think that I'm this super spiritual guy because I'm not. I'm just a, just a general average run of the guy that happens to love Jesus with all his heart. And I want to tell you a few of the things that he, he showed me as I was taking this pause times. And I do that every morning now. I just, I just can't not do it because it is so incredible. And here's, the, it started out with me first being a little child in these, and I don't know why that was. It's gone more into adult now. But um, the first one that I remember was that I was about a six-year-old, and we were walking along, and, and I was just by myself, and all of a sudden I saw Jesus, and I recognized who it was, and I ran up to him. And he just grabbed me by the arms, and swung me up on his shoulders. You know how fathers do? And just swung me on his shoulders. And we just walked along for I don't know how long. And the incredible thing was we never spoke one word, but we talked the whole time. You know, it's just, we just were communicating heart to heart. And that's, that's an example of the relationship he wants with us. There was another one where I was about a four-year-old. I was in a sandbox, and I was crying. I was just laying, sitting there crying my head off. And pretty soon Jesus walks up. 
and the front axle on my truck was broken off. It was laying there in the sand. And Jesus picked it up, and he stuck it back on, and he grabbed me and just put me in his arms and just held me and rocked me, you know. And that's the kind of relationship he wants with us. Another one was I was a teenager, and I was in a, a big city at night, and I was walking, and I turned a corner, and here was a gang. And instantly, there were four people, two on each side, walking with We walked right through the gang. They acted like they didn't even see us. Um, we, were about to, we took a trip a little over a month ago down to see um, my son and daughter-in-law for his grandson's graduation. In the morning of that trip, I was doing this pause time, and the Lord showed me our car, and right on the hood was an angel as an ornament. And then outside of the fenders, there were two angels just going with us the whole direction, you know, on this incredible trip. That's, that's what he wants for us. There were several times that the two of us were just walking. No, no audible words whatsoever, but boy, were we communicating. It's just that heart-to-heart thing. And a lot of these things were in a, in a field of just incredibly beautiful flowers, just brilliant flowers, brilliant like you never see in the natural, you know. And then here's kind of a strange one. I was in an auction barn one day, and uh, Jesus was sitting with me, and he looked over at me and says, almost everybody here is hurting. And I thought about that for a minute, and, and what he was trying to get across to me was that just about everybody you run into every day in life is in some way or another hurting in some way. And very likely he has sent you to minister to them in whatever way they need, whether it's a smile, a kind word, prayer, whatever it is, God has put you in that spot for that time. There are no coincidences when you're walking with Jesus because he foreordains all these things that happen in our lives. So our job is to be aware of those things, be looking for them to happen, and, um, and just embrace them when they do. I want to tell you about one little story. About oh, six or eight weeks ago, um, I was driving down a street in Soap Lake, and I was right close to the, to the police station and just west of it a little ways, and there was an older man sitting on a little cement ledge. He had three bags of groceries, and I thought, hmm. So there's a little parking area there. I swung in there, and I walked over to him. I said, you okay? He says, no, my feet hurt. And I said, well, here, I'll give you a ride home. So we got him in the car and gave him a ride home, and he just lived a couple blocks from there. And so we talked a little bit, and he was a little leery of me to begin with, as, as you would expect, you know, older gentleman and, and um, not too mobile. And, and so anyway, he said, finally, at the end of the little conversation in his apartment, he says, well, come back and visit sometime. And I just got the impression he was extremely lonely. And over the, over the weeks, I found out that he has absolutely no one. His parents are gone, and he was raised by foster parents from a, from a baby's age, and they're both gone. He has no family, no children, and uh, actually very f- one or two people stop in once a month or so. And uh, So God just p- placed him in my life to minister to him. So we've been doing all kinds of kids. We went to lunch the other day. I take him to the post office to get his check and take him to the bank to cash it. And we go grocery shopping. We've done that twice in the last week and a half. And um, now he wanted me to help him cut his beard because he's having a hard shaving. So, so I, we had our little gal come out to give us haircuts the other day, and I told her about it. Said, oh, I'll bring him down. She has a little salon. She works in a salon there. And so I'm like, bring him down, and I'll cut his hair for free. I'll cut his beard off for free, she said. I thought, wow, so blessed that is. So anyway, just see all the things that happen out of that one little act that I chose to, to listen to God speaking to my heart and say, stop and see if this guy needs some help. You know, and that's, 
God not only wants a great relationship through us, he wants his love to flow through us. And that's how we are um, the gospel on the street. It's just by loving people. And him and I haven't even talked about Jesus yet. The day's coming. And he actually made mention of the fact that he is, uh, used to be taken to church by somebody a few years ago. So anyway, we're getting to that down the line away. Um, <clears throat> and there's one more. And I asked the Barclays if it was okay to share this. But Friday morning, the day after the accident, I was in this pause time. And I saw the Barclays house. And everybody was there weeping and hurting. And Jesus was just right there in the room. He would go first to one and give them a hug. And then to another and give them a hug. He went all the way around the room doing that. Then he came back and began speaking words of encouragement and love. And uh, so that's the kind of God we serve. He loves us. He loves us when we're on the mountaintop. He loves us when we're in the deepest valley. <laughs> and this is not just for a few people, this kind of experience being so connected with God. Every one of us can be at that point. I know there's several people in this church that have that very, very same thing happening on a regular basis of, of having God just speak into their life and walk with them through things and explain things to them and, and uh, encourage them. And he wants that same deep relationship for every one of us, absolutely every one of us in the world, not just here in this room, but in the world. That's his desire, that none should perish, that all should know the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ and have eternal life. There's nothing that can separate us from his love either. In Romans 8, verses 38 and 39, it says, For I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor powers nor things present nor things to come nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing should be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Father will always love us no matter what. I've talked to so many people that were on the verge of coming to Jesus and they say, I've done, I've done this thing or I've done the, all these things and there's no way God can forgive me. But that is a lie from the enemy because God will forgive you for anything. I don't care what it is. And there are some horrendous things that have been going on in this world, not necessarily in your lives. Gwen and I used to counsel in another church we were in down in Oregon several years ago. We counseled a lot of people. And it would just blow your mind, the things that people told you that they've done or someone's done to them. It's just unbelievable. And we serve a God that can forgive and heal every bit of that. Absolutely every bit of that. Many of you have heard of Smith Wigglesworth. He was a, a pioneer of Pentecostal revival in the 1800s. He had such a deep intimacy with Father God that uh, he was a great, um, uh, had great spectacular results of, in salvations and divine healings. And uh, he related this story one time. He was sleeping, and he woke up. And what we're talking about here is a deep, deep, intimate, intimate relationship with God. He was sleeping, and he woke up. And Satan was in the room. And he said, oh, it's you. He turned over and went back to sleep. <laughs> and the point is that he is so full of God that it doesn't matter if Satan himself is in the room because he had power over him. And that's what each of us have. Because Jesus Christ has defeated Satan, we have power over that. So from what we just discussed, we see that Father loves us more than we can ever imagine. He knows us inside and out, head to foot. He knows the number of, number of hairs on our head. Have you ever thought about that? 
Whenever you comb your hair, do you normally have a few hairs fall out? I do. So that means he's recounting all the time, right? <laughs> so it's, it's so, so in-depth, his love for us and his care for us, that he even knows those intricate little things. He knows every thought we have. He rejoices when we have joy. He hurts when we hurt. He is so compassionate. He longs for an intimate, minute-by-minute relationship with every one of us. And I don't mean just mean get up, hello, Lord, say a few words of prayer and go on. I'm talking about minute-by-minute throughout the day. And uh, that's, that's the kind of relationship he wants. He wants us to be so connected to him that we are never disconnected in any way at all. And I struggled for a long time to get to that place for many years. And... Uh, I think that's probably common for a lot of us. And I think there's a couple of things that, that cause this. And that's why it's so difficult to get to this consistent intimacy. And the one I believe that was holding me back was the unwillingness to give complete control of our lives to Jesus. And you stop to think about it when you are not living for Jesus, don't have a relationship with him, who's in control of your life? You are, basically, right? As an adult, you should be. And so we're used to this, making decisions, this, that, and the other. And then when we come to Jesus, he asks us to yield our whole life to him. And for most of us, it's a, it's a progressive thing. It happens over time. And it doesn't just bang, happen. I'm sure there's a few people that have had that happen. It wasn't for me, I know that. But the problem was, was my pride in wanting to control the, some of the things in my life. I turned my life over to him, but I said, well, let me take care of this part here. I know you can, but I want to do it. And when I finally gave that up, I was able to get into that intimate relationship with him and have that minute-by-minute minute kind of thing that, uh, that we all want. Um, so how do we completely submit to this lordship? In Ephesians 5.18, it says, Be filled with the Holy Spirit. And if you look in the Greek, it gives the thought that this means be, being filled. In other words, it's an ongoing thing. Don't just be filled once, and then that's it. It means be, being filled. filled. And so just take, for example, a gas tank. When your gas tanks get low, what do you do? Go fill it up, right? And the same thing applies in the Spirit. We need to be filled daily. And that's why it's so critical, and I... You know, there's no requirement that we have our, our devotion and pray, prayer time in the morning. But two things I look at that, two, two ways I look at that. Number one is that it's the first time of my day, so I look at it as a tithe of the day. I tithe my time to Jesus to be in his presence for a little while. And um, the second thing is that uh, I lost my train of thought. Anyway, it'll come to me in a little bit. Um, so, uh, oh, just being in his presence fills us up. It fills us, you know, and then we can go throughout the day filled with his, his, uh, his glory. Um, one of the things, Martin Luther, you've probably heard of him in, in the 1500s. He was uh, the father of the Great Reformation. And um, he had a, I just read this little story one time that he has an, had an assistant because he was very busy, preached all over, the, all over Europe at the time. And... Um, he normally spent three hours a day in prayer prior to his day. That was his normal thing. And so his, they had this super busy day coming up. They had to leave early, had to go a long ways, had several stops to make. 
And his assistant said, well, you're probably going to pray less this morning, right? Because we've got so much. No, he says, I'm going to pray two hours extra this morning because we have so much to do. So he got up two more hours early than he had been just to spend that extra time in the Lord to fill his tank, his spirit tank, to do what God had for him to do that day. So that, that's such a crucial thing. And if you're struggling with that, I encourage you to make sure and spend time. And, and one of the things that may help you make it consistent is just decide in your mind that I'm going to get up 15, 20 minutes, 30 minutes earlier than normal, and that time is for Jesus. And I know if you've got kids, that doesn't always work. But if you put your heart to that, God is going to reward you for it. Um, so the more we do this, the more, more the Holy Spirit gets of us. And the more he gets of us, guess what? The more we get of him. <laughs> he fills us more and more, and he realizes that we are a, a faithful steward of what he gives us. And we can then um, give it out as we are, are given the opportunity to. So as we continue to spend time in his presence and automatically submit and yield to the Holy Spirit, he, he becomes greater and greater in us and, and in greater degrees all the times. And once we've experienced that intimacy, you, you don't want to be without it. it is just, it's just my lifeblood. It's almost like breath to my, to my lungs now. It's so critical. I, and if for some reason I don't get that prayer time in the morning, I know it all day long. I know it all day long. I want to give you just an example of, of listening to him and, and um, uh, following his directions. This has happened several times in my life. Sometimes it's come to fruition and sometimes it didn't. But a few weeks ago, um, I, I've been coming and praying during youth group for several weeks. And a few weeks ago, youth group was canceled and I wasn't notified until like 20 minutes before and I was already on my way to town. And so I thought, well, I got here. I says, okay. I says, Lord, what do you got for me to do? I got time. And so I needed to get some gas. I went down safe. I got some gas. And I still hadn't got any directions. I said, what do you want me to do? And he says, turn left. So I went down Basin Way. And I said, turn right. And he said, turn right again. So I was coming back north. And all of a sudden, here was a friend's house that I hadn't seen for five years. And so I called him real quick. And I says, hey, can I come over? I'm right here. Yeah, come on over. And so it was just a blessed time of reconnecting and found out he's got some health issues and we prayed together and um, just it was just a wonderful thing. And so, I, you know, don't be afraid to do those kind of things. Sometimes something, nothing may happen. Other times an incredible thing may happen. So just be aware of those and be listening. And if we're open to it and listening for it, then God has a chance. When we get to heaven, there's one thing I'm going to be very disappointed about. And that's, God's probably going to show me all the times he's spoken to me and I didn't hear him. I didn't do something, you know. So I, I try to be very, very sensitive and open to that every minute of every day and just allow him um, to move in that area. <clears throat> we've all made wrong choices in our lives that resulted in a mess. We've also made choices as we follow the lead of the Holy Spirit, Spirit, which turned out incredibly good. If you're struggling with this, first off, ask the Lord for help. And secondly, just purpose to continue doing it until, until he breaks through in it. As you grow in yielding, you'll be amazed at how freeing and joyous this submission is. <laughs> a second and huge stumbling block in developing an intimate relationship with Papa. I call Father Papa a lot of times, just like my daddy, um, is unforgiveness. Unforgiveness. Mark 11, 25 and 26, Jesus said, And whenever you stand praying, 
you have anything against anyone, forgive him, that your Father in heaven may also forgive you your trespasses. But if you do not forgive, neither will your Father in heaven forgive your trespass. So number one, Jesus is saying forgiveness is extremely important. Extremely important. And to the Father, it's extremely important. After all, Jesus, his perfect, sinless son, gave his life in excruciating pain and agony to die on the cross so each and every one of us could have salvation for free, the gift of salvation for free. We don't have to do anything for it. All we have to do is ask, and he gives it to us. <clears throat> Unforgiveness is defined as an emotional wound that can become contaminated with resentment, anger, bitterness, and a demand for punishment or restitution from the offender. Unforgiveness creates a domino effect that negatively, negatively impacts every part of us, our emotions, thoughts, behaviors, body, spiritual, and relationships. With unforgiveness, time does not heal the wounds. In fact, time further worsens and inflicts even more emotional pain. It leads us to a hardened heart at times, to hatred of the offender. We lose our joy and our lack of direction. It's like carrying a huge weight. It's very similar to quicksand. The more we struggle, the deeper we get. The harder it is, is to move away from it. Unforgiveness can also cause health problems, and it hinders spiritual growth immensely. It becomes a way that we try paying back our offender for the offense. But as those of you that know the Word of God knows that God's got a way out of this. And it's found in Romans 12, 17 through 19, and verse 21. It says, Repay no evil for evil. If it is possible, as much as depends on you, live peaceably with all men. Beloved, do not avenge yourselves, but, father, but rather give place to wrath. For it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. Then in verse 21 it says, Overcome evil with good. Overcome evil with good. That's a very important thing. A long time ago I was asking Papa to help me forgive someone that had offended me. And here's what he told me. He says, I want you to begin wearing forgiveness on your sleeve. And I says, what? He says, I want you to be aware all the time that at any moment in time, a potential offense could come to you. And I just want you to be ready to forgive. He says, so when that comes, just let forgiveness drop off your sleeve. Forgive and love the person. Go on, you know. And... Uh, I haven't always done it perfectly, but that has been such a huge, huge thing in my life because as all that whole list of things that I just talked about, about what unforgiveness can do to us and hold us back and redirect our lives, if you can clean up forgiveness, be, forgi be forgiving people all the time, life is so much simpler, so much easier, and that's exactly what Jesus wants. He is the, the forgiver. And he wants each one of us to forgive. <laughs> In other words, we just always want to walk through every day knowing that at any time something could come up that we could take offense to, but we choose not to. And actually, offense is a choice. Now, am I saying the offense is not harmful, is not horrible, is not hurting? No, I'm not saying that at all. Some of the things that have been done to human beings is, is absolutely terrible. But, as we saw in that verse we just read, it's not our job to bring retribution. It's God's job to do that. And when we release him to do that, it releases us. 
And we have that option to either take offense or immediately forgive right, right at the moment. And believe me, when I first began doing that, it was hard because my human nature wanted to be offended, wanted to strike back, wanted to say something nasty back to him. But Jesus says, no, just love them and let it drop and um, just go on with your life. So agreeing with unforgiveness will only lead to imprisonment because you are allowing the offender to control you. Have you ever thought of it that way? We let them control us by continually holding that offense. So when we release that, the control is gone, and we can move forward with our life. And if you talk to some people that had an offense early on in their life and never got over it, never forgave it, it has gone on and on and, and really changed their life, changed their life a lot, and, and for a, not a good way. So um, it's a very, very important thing. The forgiving person realizes that no person can take your value away from you unless you let them. So it's our choice right there. And our human nature says, get back at him. Get back at him. But Jesus says, forgive, and let's move on. So the freedom of forgiveness is forgiveness is a deliberate act of the will in which you choose to let go of your wrong feelings toward the offender. The mindset of forgiveness is, now my transgressor no longer owes me anything. I release the violator from paying for the pain they caused me. Now, wait a minute. That pain, that hurt, it's real. But it's not our job to repay it. It's God's job to repay it. So if we let him do his job and we move forward, then life can be so much better. It just makes it so much easier. So it's not easy. It's not logical. It's not fair to forgive. But God is the fair one. He loves us so much that he wants us to act like he did forgiving our sin before we even committed sin so that we could have eternal life with him. So that's just his general purpose all the way through is that we live in a life of forgiveness. It's the very center of his heart. So let's see what Jesus says about how to deal with those who abuse us and do all sorts of wrong to us. Now this scripture is out of the Amplified Bible. And if you're not familiar with that, you'll see parentheses and brackets. And um, the Amplified Bible was not... um, translated to be a word-for-word translation, but it was to, be, to bring out the depths of the Greek and Hebrew languages that, that just translating word-for-word into English would not do it justice. And so anything you see in parentheses are ad- additional phases of the meaning. Anything in brackets are, didn't really come out of the word, but they figure it was a justified clarification. So you'll see a lot of that in, in the scripture. But it says in Luke 6, 27 through 28 in the Amplified Bible, but I say to you, who are listening now to me, in order to heed, make it a practice to love your enemies, treat well, do good to, act nobly toward those who detest you and pursue you with hatred. Invoke blessings upon and pray for the happiness of those who curse you. Implore God's blessings, favor upon those who abuse you, who revile, reproach, disparage, and high-handedly misuse you. A little different than our human nature, isn't it? Our human nature is a strikeout. I even had an incident once that made me mad at God. I thought it was his fault. And I fought through that for quite a while until I realized it wasn't him, it was me. That my job was to forgive no matter what. And um, sometimes things happen in our lives that we just can't understand. There's no, makes no sense whatsoever. And we, we become angry, all kinds of emotions 
sorrow. We feel in the depths of sorrow. But the most important thing to remember is that Father God loves us so deeply, so profoundly, that we can, number one, never understand it and probably never totally experience it until we get to heaven. But he wants us to embark on that journey of walking in forgiveness and allowing uh, it to minister to us and then allow that very thing to minister to others through us. Forgiveness restores God's standard because it is the only way in which relationship is restored. Have you ever tried to restore a relationship with someone and you didn't forgive them for something they've done to you? It's almost impossible. It's really hard because you've always got this little thing that's stuck right there. It's holding you back. So forgiveness is the secret to restoration. Um, God's desire is for us to be like him and extend the same forgiveness that he so freely gave us. When we forgive, we cancel debt. By holding on to unforgiveness, we wrongly put ourselves in the judgment seat that belongs only to God. Remember, God said, I will repay. Forgiveness is a key that releases us from oppression. I don't know if you've ever been in a situation where you've held something against someone for a long time. You get eventually to a point of being oppressed. You're just down. And I believe, honestly believe, that's where a lot of, of um, what's the word I'm trying to say, um, depression comes from today. Is there's a, a point of unforgiveness in someone's life. When Gwen and I were counseling, I would say 95% of the things we dealt with were forgiveness of the person we were working with toward another person that had hurt them. You know. And so I hope that through this you get the idea that, number one, God loves us so incredibly. And number two, that if we want that vital, deep, minute-by-minute relationship with him, we need to forgive others and let them be free, and it also frees us. And uh, so when we do forgive someone, you realize that when you don't forgive someone, you kind of mess up what God's trying to do in their life. You're holding them in this bondage. And when we release them and forgive them, then we're letting God have the chance to work in their life to a greater degree. And I don't totally understand that, but I believe that's exactly true. So we're going we're gonna to pray about a couple things today. <clears throat> Number one, I don't know everyone that's here, but we've been talking about this relationship with God the Father, and some of you may not have that. And we'd love for you to make that decision today. So let's all bow our heads for a minute, and I just want to ask you, if, if, if you're at that point in your life, you're saying, yes, I want to follow Jesus today. I want him to be the Lord of my life. Allow him to lead me and guide me from this point on. I just want you to you raise your hand. Please just let me know that uh, you're at that place of making a decision. I'm not going to embarrass you or call you out. Everybody's got their eyes closed. I just want to know. Some of you may have uh, had a relationship with Jesus at one time in your life. And for whatever reason, you're not there right now. And you've walked away. And he wants to restore you today. So if that's you, I want you to raise your hand. Just let me know so I can pray for you. Now on the subject of of unforgiveness. Most of us have had to deal with that in our lives. And if that's really spoken to you today about about 
unforgiveness and you realize you've got some in your life, Jesus wants to help you with that. He wants to help you walk through that serious thing and, and, and get it resolved. He's going to give you the strength and the ability to forgive, and he's going to walk you through it and let you be released into his, his life and what he wants for you. So if that's you today, I want to just raise your hand. I want to pray for you. Okay, I see that hand. Thank you. Thank you. All right, let's pray. Father, we are so thankful that you know us in and out, top to bottom. You know everything about us, and it's such a reassuring thing. Kind of scary at times, but reassuring. And we know that you love us so much that you would do anything for us to come to you. And we thank you that you've given us the free choice. You don't demand that we come to you, but you invite us always. You're always inviting. So we thank you for that. Lord, and for those of, that are here today that are desiring to renew or come for the first time to you, I lift them up to you right now. Let them hear their prayer as they speak silently right now, Father. Help them to, to grasp a hold of what you've done, that great forgiveness of all the sin. Let them rise above that and begin serving you in, in a vibrant way. We give you praise and glory for that. Father, we thank you for those that have <clears throat> had offenses done in their life. Lord, we know some things are so horrendous, it's hard to even talk about them. But Lord, you know the ins and outs of every one of those things. And you are the God who can forgive. We just ask you to do that very thing right now and those that have asked for it. We thank you, Lord, for helping them walk through that. Walk through that. We ask you to, to also ask them to, to be confident in leaning on others in that if they need the help. Others that have walked through it or, or a strong uh, person that's related to you, Lord Jesus. We just also, most of all give you praise and glory for this day and for goodness, for the words that you've given us. And we thank you for healing and understanding and comfort and joy. Give you praise and glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen.